Hello and welcome, dreamers, to another episode of Dreamcast Years. Uh, This time we're doing a bit of a deep dive. We've not done one for a little while. And we're going to do that on the PlayStation 1. Uh, So it's a console that came out within our golden years, which is recently expanded uh, to 1994 to 2011. Um, So it's well within our time frame and a great little console it was as well. So joining me today to talk all things PlayStation 1 are Rich. Hi, Rich. Hello. Hello. And Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. I'm Andrew. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, So (laughs) I have now. Uh, So thank you for joining us. Well, we have a good old natter uh, about one of one of the best consoles there ever was is that is that hyperbole yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair definitely i think the most probably the most impactful console most important Mm -hmm. console ever ever released yeah pretty pretty damn important i mean it was a manufacturer who had never been in the console space Mm. before who with their first console ever sold gangbusters like a lot of playstations got sold it's a huge amount um, yeah, it was very, uh, it was very, it was very disruptive, as they say. Yeah. it just turned up out of nowhere and changed the game. Yeah, they did, they did indeed. Um, and I was just going to have a look at how many they sold. And of course, being me, I didn't actually bring up that. Um, but I think it was, it was a huge amount. Oh, here we go. Um, worldwide, we're looking at 102 million PlayStation One units. So Crikey! It is up just, there with the best-selling consoles of all time. Just a few more than the Dreamcast. Just, just a few more. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Try ten times more. Um, so. Pipped at the post. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, just to give you a bit of a, a rundown of the PlayStation, I suppose, and, uh, and and a little bit about it. So, it was uh, originally going to be an add-on for the Super Nintendo. They had a bit of a contract going with Nintendo to create a CD add-on. CD add-ons were all the rage back then, of course, but uh, things didn't go quite to plan, and uh, Sony... Well, I think Nintendo decided to go elsewhere. So, so Sony decided they were going to release their own console. And so they did uh, in Japan on the 3rd of December 1994. Um, it released there. And almost a year later, on the 29th of September 1995, we in the EU finally got it. So it uh, it's a long time ago that that released now. That is, mm. goodness gracious, that is what... Don't, uh, please, please don't. 20... Please don't. I mean, I know, I know you have to say it, but... Like 26 years ago? Oh, oh geez, <laughs> <laughs> twenty six oh. years ago, uh, which is craziness. And um, it uh, we also got a slimline version uh, released on the twenty ninth of September two thousand, which was five years later, uh, which also was was pretty cool. Uh, the best selling game on the PlayStation, according to Wikipedia, was Gran Turismo, that sold ten point eight five million units worldwide. Ooh, wow, which is a lot. And it didn't actually get discontinued until the 23rd of March 2006, around 12 <laughs> years after it Incredible. originally came onto the market, which is madness, absolute madness. Mm. That's just, uh, I mean, just a, a massive, a massive install base, I guess. G- gives it a massive tail. It just keeps going and going yeah. and going. I guess so. Yeah, and uh, just it was one of those consoles that people just kept releasing games for even when the playstation 2 came out because you know people might not have been able to afford a playstation 2 i guess and you'd have like families who'd have a playstation 1 still in under their tv 
people would still release games for years and years after the PS2 came out. So yeah, and I mean a huge part of gaming that we don't really talk talk about that much is people who are a generation behind as well. Like yeah. loads of people play games on previous gen consoles, mm. and yeah, that was definitely still true for the for the PS1 for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's worth noting as well that uh, I believe it didn't bring analog controls. As in, it wasn't the first to bring us analog controls, but PlayStation did kind of make them standard. So mm-hmm. we had the non-analog controller that came out originally, which is it's it's a nice little controller. Uh, and then they mm, released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think it's a piece of shit that you put up with because the games were good. That's that's how I would. It's Fair. weird. It's weird to look at now, like when the um, PlayStation Classic came out. It was so weird seeing that classic controller again. Mm. I kept thinking it's going to be a DualShock inside, and it was just so weird seeing nope. the OG controller. You <laughs> yeah. imagine, no, no chance. But yeah. it just, yeah, I cut. It looks a bit nasty now, and just really, I don't know. Yeah, doesn't look yeah. right. They've 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 refined that D-pad design, but at the time that D-pad design was awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It felt really really imprecise, and it hurt, and it hurt, and it hurt my thumb. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, not great. I mean, I've recently got a Sega Saturn, and I, I don't know the, the the Sega Saturn controller is less ergonomic than the PlayStation original PlayStation controller without analog sticks, and I find that really difficult to use. So actually, mm. in retrospect, I'm happy <laughs> at the design of the PlayStation controller. I mean, the, the you know the two little prongs that come down for you to grip onto. Yes, that yeah. was a fairly new thing back then yeah like, yes it was you didn't have that before it was just like a uh, i don't know how to describe it it was just a, a flat like a kidney a fl- like, yeah like a kidney shape in some in well okay in the mega drive's case i guess and the snes Saturn as well to a slight degree but yeah yeah, yeah. so they, those kind of gave it a proper you, you had a proper grip of it especially when you had the triggers yeah. on the back as well that was helpful mm. it sort of went for ergonomics over any, anything else really like it was never a pretty never a pretty controller mm. it was all very it was always very practical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of went for it. Like the Mega Drive kind of went in that direction with its curvy bits, but the PlayStation was just like, "Fuck it, it's got two handles on it. You yeah. hold, you hold it there." Yeah. yeah. And on on the on the subject of analog, it w- wasn't the first controller to have analog sticks. No. Was it the first controller to have two analog sticks? Potentially, I believe so. What's because the f- that's sorry. Go on, go on Steve. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Uh, well, because that's fairly huge. If it is. Because I mean, you don't make games now without considering camera control on one stick and mm. other control on the other. So I mean, the, yeah. the games didn't start out like that, but it was the presence of two analog sticks that enabled that kind of game design, isn't it? Mm. No, that's true. That's very true. Uh, so it's a big step up, and it was two years after the console launch that, that actually came out. So it was uh, November the twentieth, nineteen ninety-seven. I think I believe. Let me have a was look. It- was it DualShock right out of the gate, or was it just the sticks and then the vibration came slightly later? Because I can't remember. I feel yeah. a bit hazy on that one. You're right. So originally, um, I think in April, uh, so earlier on in the year, it was dual analog, it was called, and it didn't have uh, yes. that. I'm not sure. If, did we get it over here? Yeah, we did. So we did get it over here. Um, and then then it was DualShock, which is obviously what it then kind of became mm-hmm. known as going forward mm. in the PS2, the PS3, and the PS4. And it's only with the PS5 now that they've changed the name of the controller. It's now DualSense. Hmm. So it kind of kept that moniker of DualShock right from 1997 all the way through to 2020, which is, mm, yeah, it's a big deal. That's a, that's kind of what started off 
that controller. And, and you're right, Steve, it's kind of the, the beginnings of modern game design in terms of having, you know, your movement assigned to one analog stick and your camera assigned to the other. And also uh, built-in vibration as well, because up until that point, you, yes. had to, you had to insert something into the controller, like on the N64 and on the Dreamcast, you had to insert something into the controller in order for it to have rumble. Did the PlayStation have that? Dual Shock was the yeah when they so Dual Analog was the original which didn't have yeah. Rumble and then they released Dual Shock which in, then in, incorporated. Oh Rumble. sorry, it, it it never had a peripheral on the PlayStation that no. you could make. Okay, sorry, sorry, I thought that I thought that's what you meant. Okay, no, no, yeah, because there was nothing to plug into, was there, on the controller? Itself? No, so no, <laughs> I no, you could maybe plug it into the uh, the memory card slot, but then the console would just rumble, and that's not really helpful yes, to anybody. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I when I got my Dual Shock for the first time, like when I. I first saw a picture of that thing i didn't know what the analog sticks were mm. i was like what the fuck's going on there that must be for playing some kind of game in a genre that i don't care about i don't know what's going on there and then i learned what it was and when i got my first dual shot controller it was it was amazing mm-hmm. i played duke nukem time to kill on it and when you blow stuff up and the controller shakes it was it was awesome yeah yeah it's pretty cool and they released like so they re-released certain games so resident evil director's cut used it resident evil 2 got a, a version that, that would then accept dual shot controls mm. and one of the first games i think that was specifically made for it was ape escape mm-hmm. uh, that kind of took advantage of the whole thing so that that's quite interesting as well i know that you were a fan of ape escape steve i i was yeah and um like I said, that kind of that 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 kind of um, agreed upon game design for third-person games uh, didn't come about straight away. And Ape Escape does not control the way you would like it to, with the camera on one and the control on the other. The second, so you run around with the left analog stick, and the right analog stick controls all your gadgets. Mm. So you could do cool things like you had a remote control car, and you could run around and control the remote control car at the same time. Which, I mean. Doesn't sound like a big deal now, <laughs> but back 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 in the day, that was that 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 was pretty rad. Yeah, pretty cool. And you had like a you had to you had a like a radar thing to try and find the apes. So you run around with the left stick, and then with the right stick, you're pointing the radar in different directions. Mm-hmm. And it just it felt really cool. It felt like you were well controlling games in ways that you hadn't before, mm-hmm. because that's exactly what you were doing. Absolutely. Um, it was also, I mean, it didn't invent the memory card by any means. I think that was a Neo Geo console that invented the memory card um, to kind of cross, uh, allow you to kind of cross play between the arcade and their home home console. But the PlayStation brought memory cards into the fore. Like the, you didn't have memory cards when with cartridge based consoles. I don't think the Saturn had memory cards either. Uh, I believe they saved to the console itself or something along those I'm lines. I'm sure I remember. What was the like? It was that weird like expansion slot part at the yeah. back of the Saturn. I thought that was for the memory cards. It was like a, a tiny Mega Drive cartridge almost. And I always remember I, I can't remember right. what that was. I believe you're right. I don't think it, I don't think it was required though. I don't like I think I don't know. I don't think you mm. needed a, a memory card. I can't recall. But I mean okay. you know cartridge based mm. technology up until that point meant that you could save it on the cartridge itself. So I guess because the Saturn didn't have cartridges, it needed something to save. I'm gonna have to look this up now. Um, it must have had memory somewhere. Yeah. I just remember the slot behind that like, the disc um, but behind that, the disc lid at the back at the back of the console, I'm absolutely yeah. positive. But yeah, I never actually looked into what it was. Hmm. Um, I'm just having a quick look while while we're chatting. Um, yeah, the backup memory uh, known as the backup RAM cartridge in the US or power memory in Japan. 
okay. an external storage cartridge used to save game proce- progress and data as an alternative to using the system's internal memory. So it okay. did have internal memory as well. My yeah. God, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so there wow. you go. Uh, but PlayStation was the first one. You didn't really have internal memory at all. You had to save to the, to the yes, uh, memory yes. card. Um, Which, you know, had the added benefit of being able to go over to a French house yeah. with your mem- memory card and play your games, well, the you know, your saved version of your games at your friend's house which was really cool yeah which i think we did with some games myself oh yeah I, I think whenever you came to my house or whenever i came to yours mem- memory cards were always in pockets yeah extra controller games yeah. that we wanted to play yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very cool it was very cool very much so um let's have a look where i was going next i know so we've we've moved on from the dual shock but i just want to draw attention to this one thing sure. uh, that is hilarious to me mm-hmm. there is a fairly infamous review of alien resurrection on the ps1 which is aged terribly um (laughs) it didn't review particularly well and one of the drawbacks that the review mentions is quote the game's control setup is its most terrifying element the left analog stick moves you forwards backs and strafes left to right while the right analog stick turns you and can be used to look up and down too often, you'll turn to face a foe and find that your weapon is aimed at the floor or ceiling while the alien gleefully hacks away at your midsection. Hmm. Apparently, they didn't like the way every game now controls. <laughs> it must have been like a something to get used to. If you're used to console gaming and you've, you've just been using D-pads up until that point, that's... That's yeah. brand new. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's no, no, no shade, no shade on the reviewer. It's just, it's just hilarious to me that there was a time when a game controlling that way mm-hmm. was a draw, was a draw, a drawback. It would never yeah. catch on. <laughs> mm. Never. Um, yeah, it was it, it, the stuff that PlayStation had. I mean, we talk uh, and we've talked a lot, and I talk a lot about the the Dreamcast being ahead of its time with the VMU and the. I mean, the, the VMU isn't really ahead of its time. It was nobody adopted that afterwards. Uh, but <laughs> stuff like the internet connection and things like that. But the, the PlayStation really was uh, a big deal because it had mm-hmm. all of these things. Yeah. You know, it had a CD-based. Uh, you know console it had a dualshock controller a couple of years in it had memory cards but not only that it was probably one of the first consoles that really brought proper 3d gaming to people as well which was a very very big deal definitely yeah i mean i mean i still remember my first memory of the playstation was in a i think it was a branch of comet and playing crash bandicoot and just playing what was your typical kind of platformer you know mascot led platformer game but you're running in and away from the camera mm. it was just my brain just melted playing that i'd never seen anything mm. like it it was just i mean at that point i don't remember ever playing any games that had kind of a quasi 3d to them but this felt like it were, this is a time obviously before mario 64 but it might as well have been that game it was mm. just so impressive and it was yeah unlike anything i'd ever seen before so 3d was just mind-blowing uh and that started with the PlayStation for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's like that whole T-Rex demo that they showed off in mm. EGX and stuff like that. So that people were getting so hyped about that. Uh, and of course, we got a, a t- we actually got a T-Rex in Tomb Raider, which was uh, which, oh, which yeah. was cool. That was uh, my first video game scare. I think that when the, when the score kicks up and then it suddenly just comes into shot and in the roar. I, I, I remember just jumping at that. This was obviously <laughs> before Resident Evil and the like it's just yeah that that's a that's a, a secret as well right the t-rex in tomb raider i don't think that's like main path stuff 
Is it? I don't remember. If I'm, I'm not sure. Like, if you go, if you mainline that game from start to start to finish, I don't think you fight huh. the T Rex. It's a bit off the uh, beaten path. I might be wrong about that. Mm. I don't know. But that was it. Was very cool that somewhere down in the depths of that game, there was just a T Rex hiding around somewhere. Yeah, it was all. It was great. Yeah, it was all. all and that tech demo as well of the T Rex was obviously very deliberate on their part because. This was the era of Jurassic Park, and mm-hmm. everybody loved to see a CGI T-Rex. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could see one in real time, and you could make it smile and open <laughs> its mouth and go, Hello, I'm a T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> that was actually was, something yeah. they showed, I don't know if it was to investors or retailers or what, but wasn't that something they originally used as like demo material for the console to show it? Yes. Yeah. Or yes, if it was, it was for yeah. developers, I'm not sure, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can't remember how you access it. I think you, you start up the PlayStation without a disc in it, and I think you can go to the tech demo, right? Is that right? Yeah, it was on the, it was on the demo one disc that came with the console. I remember. Right. That. Oh, that's right. Sorry, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it was it was fairly bare bones. The OS of it, it was literally just um, if I remember right, if you, if you didn't have a disc in it, I think you could look at the memory card content, I believe, and then if that's you, right. You could play yeah. CDs as well. Yeah, there's another thing it could do because uh, obviously it's a Sony console and Sony own or partially own the CD format, so. Makes yes. sense for that. Um, of course, I mean the Saturn did the same, but and the Dreamcast did too. But some consoles, even today, some consoles don't allow you to play CDs. Even play, I don't think the PlayStation Four allows you to play CDs, which is Amazing. madness. Um, yeah, that is that is weird. Very weird. <laughs> that is really weird. <laughs> but that was yeah. It was it was great because the three D that it had. I'm trying to say how I put this. It grew with the console. So something like the Saturn was very much held back because it wasn't initially meant to be a big 3D console. You know, it was meant to have a little bit of 3D, like Virtua Fighter 2 style 3D. Uh, so it was able to do things like the original Tomb Raider and the, the original Resident Evil, okay. But it, it couldn't do 3D incredibly well. Whereas the PlayStation, as the years went on, you saw more and more what the PlayStation was capable of, and we ended up with games like Metal Gear Solid, like um, uh, Vagrant Story, all these games that like pushed the console close to its limits in terms of graphical fidelity. It's really awesome to see, um, and it felt like that was the first time. Well, it was the first time with 3D games that we that we saw that kind of level of increase in specification, technical specification, into yeah, I think. I know what I'm saying. I don't know if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, latter-day PS1 games, it's amazing that they're on a P- P- uh, PS1, mm-hmm. frankly. Games like, uh, for example, uh, Parasite Eve 2, just to bring up a random one, mm. that game looks incredible. Like, that game looks really good. It does. And that's on the same console. Uh, I'm trying to think of a game that looks like shit now, but it's <laughs> escaping me. But it's amazing that they did that on a... PS1 so yeah they definitely grew with the hardware I mean it's far from per- perfect that the PS1 has a very unique look mm-hmm. to its graphical rendering yes mm-hmm. but yeah it was still very very impre- uh, impressive that thing was very very quick for mm. the time I mean we're not the kind of podcast that goes deep into specs or anything but it had a lot of specs is how I'll say it. It was Fair. very, very fast, and it was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Was indeed. Um, it was also, I believe, the first console that had a mid-generation change to the console itself. So we got the PS One, as in PS O N E, uh, which was the slimline version of the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And I don't Which think we've adorable. seen that before. It was adorable. But had yeah. we seen that before? Is that something? Yeah. So the the Mega Drive had a second version. Yeah, the Master System had a second version. Of course it did. Yeah. Of course. I don't know of any others, though. No. So I'm talking out my ass that it was the first, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was well, it a memorable feels... one. It, yeah, it does feel memorable because uh, I don't know why they did that, but it felt like they did that because they were like, here's a more portable version and they marketed it as yeah. something yeah. that you could get as a more portable version of your PlayStation. But they probably did it for the same reason that Sega did it twice, which is they just refined the manufacturing and they could make them more cheap, more cheaply, which yeah. is why that happens. I mean, I actually got one when I got the PlayStation 1 second time around. I picked up one myself. Um, yeah. And my, even my granddad owned one as well. So they definitely did sell themselves, being you know, that form factor they had. I think it must have probably a bigger like adoption rate, probably okay, not as much as the original PlayStation 1, but I think maybe some people that wouldn't necessarily pick up game consoles might have picked up the, uh, the smaller version. I'm not too sure. But. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was very cute. Like at the rounded corners to it, the fact mm. it was so tiny, it was barely bigger bigger than the CD you put in it. It was it was so small. Mm. Um, but not just that. It, I mean, you, you mentioned about it being portable. They did actually release little screens that you could attach to them. Oh yeah, they did. So they you could did. actually take them around with you, which was pretty cool, pretty awesome. Still needed an outlet, right? You did, you did. I think. I don't know if they released yeah. some kind of car adapter for it or something. Maybe I'm mm, not sure. Yeah, maybe. So, but potentially, but. Um, yeah, but it's it's that that kind of has then spurred on. I mean, you know, like we said, Sega's done it already with the Mega Drive, but I think because of the success of the PS One, uh, the smaller version, we see we we then saw things like the PS Two Slim, uh, the PS Three Slim, the PS Four. Mm-hmm. Is that was that Slim as well? I think they just went with Slim PS- from then on. Yes, I think they did. Yeah. yeah. So we we saw that, and it, and and other consoles took up that as well. But yeah, it's it's about I guess you know midway through the generation, the the components are cheaper and everything shrinks, of course, because every year or two, the components just you know because of research and development they can shrink them down. So it makes sense to put it into a smaller form factor, I guess. But um, I don't know if it if it had any benefits over the original, or if it, or if anything was taken away as compared to the original. I'm not sure. But it was it no, was I nice. don't know either. No, yeah. not I remember. Um, I seem, I seem to think the OS might have looked different, but I don't hmm. remember exactly. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff happened with the console itself, and we've not even mentioned Pocket Station, which, to be fair, there's not much to say about it. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting little thing. Uh, it was released very close to the to the time that the Dreamcast was released, uh, and therefore VMU. I, I... Still couldn't tell you what the pocket station was. Same. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> Same. No idea. It was, I mean, it was essentially a VMU for the PlayStation. So it, it mm-hmm. plugged into the memory card slot and you could save games onto it. So it was a memory card, uh, but it also had a screen and a little, little controls. And there were certain games that would have mini games. I believe Final Fantasy VIII had one and there was a, there was a number of others. It was mostly in, in fact, I think it only released in Japan. However... Uh, some games, I believe, when they released in the West, still had that functionality built into them. Ah, uh, okay. So you could yeah. import a Pocket Station from Japan and still kind of play those little mini games and stuff. So it's cool. It's it's kind of cool. Mm. It's uh, it, it, it is a VMU, and they released so close together that I don't know if this was um, Sony kind of ripping off Sega or if they just happened to develop something similar at the same time. I'm not sure. But yeah, it was. Uh, 
it's interesting for sure um the other thing i suppose before we go into kind of games uh, that we liked for the playstation the thing to notice or to note sorry about the playstation is just the sheer number of different genres that this console had available for it and how many good games in each of those genres it had i mean mm-hmm. it was a, it was huge for racing games for fighting games mm-hmm. jrpgs shooters everything had the best of the best on it uh you know you, you got the likes of tekken um and you, you had the likes of ridge racer and uh the final fantasy games resident evil game it just had a crap load of games i don't uh, know how like sony pulled it off being like new into the industry but like mm. just the level of like third party like support they had like straight out of the gate all the heavy hitters were just like straight on board throwing all their releases you know into this into the playstation library to yeah. the point i think a lot of people thought there was a lot of obviously there was a great deal of quantity over quality in some places but yeah it was just second to none i I don't know how Sony managed it because they weren't obviously proven at that point other than the fact they're Sony and they released a Walkman, you know, years before. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, yeah, incredible library. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 7,918 games were released for the console. Jesus. That's a lot. It's quite, it's, it's quite a big number, that. <laughs> it is. I'm guessing a lot of that shovelware, though. <laughs> uh, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with popular consoles, isn't it? You, you, you kind of the, the more popular you are, the the worse games come out for it. But the the sign of a great console is if the very good games outshine yes. the shit ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think the Wii was was an interesting one for that because there were some very good games for that, but the shit ones seemed there were, to. Uh, and the shit ones, I don't know if it was just because it was a different time, but I saw the shovelware for the Wii way more than I for any other console and i yeah. think it's because they lined the shelves of cex and um and game yeah but the shovel well like uh, was very vi- visible <laughs> you didn't like um Chegger's, uh party quiz where it's called... <laughs> That's, come on now i mean oh there God. are exceptions of course rich that game is stellar uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. of course <laughs> <laughs> um I do have a couple of other things to touch on, actually. So piracy is one of them. Mm-hmm. The PlayStation mm. was... I mean, piracy was a big thing at that time, and CDs made it very easy to pirate, and yeah. the PlayStation is probably the console that's most well-known for piracy. People, uh, pe- people think that the discs were black as an anti-piracy thing. Mm-hmm. No. I still think this. <laughs> uh, and, and if, like, that's not why they were black, and if it was, they failed. Oh, very much so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody pirated for the PlayStation. I, I mean, you know, I've 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 since gone on to buy basically every game that I possibly ever pirated for that system. But I I, I admit, I mean, I was a, I was a child, and it was my dad who did that, my stepdad. But well, we pirated like crap. For that when you were a child, it's just like, give me your PlayStation, it'll be gone for two days, and then when it comes back, you can get games really cheap. Like it wasn't pirating yeah. when you were a child; it was just mm, a thing, it's just a thing that you did. But I remember seeing li- little cards up on like community notice boards in the post office and the supermarket uh, of people just offering the service and they called it chipping your playstation they were like i will chip your playstation for 20 quid or whatever uh yeah it was rampant and widespread was was indeed did you ever chip your playstation rich never once no i was a good boy oh Yes. Goody two shoes. Exactly. I never did either. Um but I think mine was just out of caution really. I didn't want it to Yeah. Didn't want it to get broked. 
Indeed. was nice to have the physical games though. Like the, I, I quite liked the European PlayStation cases. Mm. They were kind of nice. Definitely. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, like the double layer ones used to get. I don't know how to describe them, but you know the one like Tomb Raider came in and the uh, Final Fantasy oh, games. Yeah. Came in. Yeah. I d- yeah, I don't know. Those were. I don't nice. know why they used them in some cases. It seemed pointless, but mm. they were they were cool. They just they felt hefty and and, mm. and cool. Um, but yeah. I I didn't need to get mine chipped as it were because my friend had had his chip, so we just went around there. Mm-hmm. Although. He, the person who provided his games, was not were not were uh, was not able to get them in the right um, the right formatting. So they were all NTSC. So oh. we played them in black in black black uh, black and white in a much higher wow. frame rate. Really, <laughs> okay. interesting, bizarre, bizarre. Those are weird times for TV Very standards strange. and stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, because yeah. like Pal, Pal, Pal ran at half refresh rate to NTSC. And I remember sometimes I would watch, like on the rare occasion where you would see video games on TV, like I'd I'd see Spider Man on TV, and I was like, God, they've made that game look better than it really is. And I've since learned that 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 was the NTSC version, and it's just that the PAL yeah. version ran like shit. Yeah, madness. I mean, they they had that issue with the PlayStation Classic because they they put I, I can't remember what it was, but I think they put a bunch of PAL versions on the worldwide systems, and people were like this game runs mm-hmm, terribly, yeah. and it's like no, it's because it's the PAL version, <laughs> like. <laughs> they put the pal rom on there uh yeah not great but uh but we i mean you know we lived with it i, d- I don't think i noticed really because mm. you just didn't know it was fine yeah no it's weird it's things just weren't standardizing that way mm. very true but it was it was a great console i mean there's so many great games but the console i mean the console itself looked great i mean you know the the ps1 was cute but the original playstation I think I still think that that holds up as a good design for a console. It's very nineties. Oh. Yeah, but... it's got this kind of bit of kind of like with the controller itself. It's just got this quite cool industrial look to it. it. Does, it's very yes. no nonsense. It's just basic, you know, grills down the sides, sharp mm-hmm. edges. It is a it is a brutalist console. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think on top of the console's look as well. I think the biggest thing about about the PlayStation was the just the marketing the appeal of it i mean mm. it changed the industry it wasn't the whole you know ge- you know geeks in their bedrooms you know programming sinclair c5 games it was just uh it was you know bringing gaming to the masses you know young adults playing you know the whole clubland culture yeah. you know, everyone just started picking up controllers and playing games and it was no longer that niche hobby anymore yeah yeah it was cool. It was cool yeah. to like video games all of a sudden. When I first heard the name of the PlayStation, I thought it was a stupid name, and I still do really think it's a, a <laughs> when you when you take when you sort of take it out of its context and think of it as just a mm. word, it's a very shit name. Um, mm. But the mar- but the marketing like really shifted that perce- that perception, and yeah, now you think PlayStation, you don't even think of it as PlayStation. It's just you know it's the it's the PlayStation, and it is what it is, mm. and it's ubiquitous at this point. Yeah, well, it took over. People used to call video like you, like mums would call video gaming Nintendo. You're going to go play your Nintendo. Yes, and yeah. it and it very much switched to being, are oh, you going to play the place? You're going to go and play PlayStation, regardless of what console you were playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was PlayStation, so it it became that synonymous with video gaming, mm-hmm. which is which is amazing considering that they'd never been in the console business mm-hmm. before that point, yeah, at all. 
So, it's, uh, and people laughed at them as well. Like Sega and Nintendo both were not that worried about them until they launched, and were like, "Oh, I know, yeah, <laughs> people yeah. like this." It, it is a, it is definitely a story, uh, a story that has hubris involved in there, mm-hmm. for sure. Because I mean, poor Sega, poor Sega, poor Sega. I mean, speaking of Sega, just before we move on to our games, I'll I'll mention this because we are airing on Radio Sega as well. Uh, a couple of things to note. The first being that there were a few Sega Saturn games that, well, I say Sega Saturn games, but there were games that were released on the PS1 and the Sega Saturn, quite a few actually. Um, the most memorable of which probably being Tomb Raider, Resident Evil and Wipeout 2097, uh, which are quintessentially like PlayStation games, right? You think of the PlayStation, yep. you think of those games yep. more mm-hmm. often than not. Yep. Um, and I guess because the sequels that they had were pretty much PlayStation exclusive. In, in terms of console release anyway yeah i, d- so, I didn't even know wipeout was a saturn game first <laughs> yeah it, yeah i think they released practically at the same time i think they were just released for oh, uh, they were okay. developed for the co- both consoles at the same time but i have I think, I think i always think of that as being a playstation game mm. like i didn't even know it was yeah. out on the uh, on the old saturn i think i remember the main difference being between like the saturn and like, the playstation versions of wipeout and think that like the saturn version lacked basically any of like the licensed music it might have had some of the uh cold storage tracks on there but mm-hmm. otherwise ah, the soundtrack right. was lacking everything that sony obviously must have thrown money at and uh yeah made it even cooler <laughs> i mean i i hear that tomb raider and resident evil also are, are not the best version on the saturn they're, they're, they play better they look better on the playstation but there's something where, like, I've when I got my Saturn with the Fenrir like mod in it, like I kept. So I was speaking to the Sagaholic about it, and he was helping me out with it. And I was like, because he he kind of gave me it. He loaded my SD card with games, and I was very adamant that I needed to have Tomb Raider and Resident Evil on there. I was like, I need to play these oh, yeah. games on the Saturn. Like, I know that I can play them on whatever other console I've got them on because I have them on multiple other places. But I just feel like experiencing them on the Saturn would be mm. interesting. Oh yeah, so. yeah. And what's that like? Uh, I've played a bit of Tomb Raider, and it feels very much like Tomb Raider. <laughs> but, you know, I'm playing it with uh, with a Saturn controller. So, yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, but, you know, I, I have, a, I have a, a soft spot for both of those games as well. Yeah. So did, it's nice to have them on there. Did either of you have to turn your PlayStations upside down? Never no. once. I remember hearing about that, but mm-hmm. never happened to me. Did Some people wrapped it. theirs in towels as well. Like really? yeah, the hard the this is hardware had drive issue. issues. The um, like the it, it didn't uh it wasn't very good at cooling, so if you turned mm. it upside down, uh, it wouldn't overheat apparently. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I I thought this was something to do with like the laser on the CD drive. So that's what I knew it as at the time. I have since learned that it was a it was a overheat overheating issue, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. Why were they wrapping them in towels? I'm sure that's probably I why they were wrapping them in towels. Ta- so, so when it when it overheats, I think uh, I, I'm talking at my ass. Uh, um, <laughs> things that I heard growing up, I think there was like connectors that would melt or something. Um, and so, if you wrapped it in a towel, you would overheat it some more. But you'd overheat it enough so that it would melt again, and then you would have a chance that they would connect again in their mel- wow. melted form. Wow. That was like a, a really bodgy fix. 
for the problem. That's, I don't know if that's true, but that's quite that's horrifying. True. But there were all kinds of these little weird tricks and all, ki- all mm. kinds of little weird hardware oddities that the PlayStation had. And as you said, Andrew, there were there were issues with the lasers as well at times. And mm. you could buy like disc cleaners. Do you remember those disc cleaners? No, yeah. no, sorry, oh, yes. laser cleaners. Yeah, yeah. Where the disc had little brushes on them, and you just ran it in your PlayStation, and it cleaned you. I don't know if they worked or not, but. <laughs> madness crazy it seems so weird to think of that kind of thing now like you couldn't yeah. you couldn't do that with modern consoles because they're mostly like they're um what would you call them they're the the automatic drive so they kind of yes, you yeah. feed the disc into it mm. like you couldn't do that with no a console like that no, no, <laughs> so, there you go weird times uh yeah yeah 25 years ago so <laughs> uh just before we move on just another sega related uh point uh, I had a look before we did this, and I was curious because obviously the Dreamcast was discontinued in 2001, kind of went on until 2002, but Sega started releasing games on other consoles. And as I said before, the PlayStation 1 didn't get discontinued until 2006. So I was curious as to whether Sega actually released any games on the original PlayStation. We know they did for future consoles. Uh, it turns out they did. They released two games on the original PlayStation. So... Uh, with with thanks to Adam Korolik, uh, his YouTube channel, he uh, has a video about this. And there were two Sega-published games released in Japan on the PS1. The first of which is a Puyo Puyo game, which is called Puyo Puyo Sun uh, Ketieban. Hmm. No idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's um, it was an arcade game that got ported to the Saturn in 97, and then they later ported it to the PS1 in 2003. So, interesting. Huh. And... They also, and this is very weird, uh, a game called Mini Money Shaker and Tambourine Dapion, uh, which is partially developed by Sega. And it's it's actually, some say it's a spiritual successor to Samba de Amigo, uh, as it was a game. So it came out in arcades as I think it was called, where is it now? It was, yeah, it was originally on the Sega Naomi arcade board and it was called Shakato Tambourine. Um, and it was basically a game you played in the arcades and you just shook tambourines around like you would with the maracas in Samba de Amigo. Mm. And then they did a home console version and it only ever came out on the PS1 and it was like a uh, it was like a cross um, promotion thing with a Japanese band called Mini Money. So it was a Mini Money version of the tambourine, this tambourine game. And it came out on the PS1 uh, in 2002 uh, with a tambourine peripheral which you plugged in which is very very similar to the Samba de Amigo peripherals for the Dreamcast as in the little bar that you plug the tambourines into is practically identical to the mm. Samba de Amigo one has a little mat you stand on that's almost identical to the Samba de Amigo one madness I didn't even know about this that's game super weird I'm yeah. just looking at this now that's super weird that's news to me yeah very strange huh. so there you go it looks bonkers um, too yeah, yeah. I've never heard of Mini Money. I no. don't know what kind of Japanese band they are. If they're very poppy or, I don't know, a bit alternative. I'm sure they're pop. Japanese I'll be on pop, Spotify J-pop. for those now. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a listen. Give them a listen. But that's so, so two Sega games did actually release for the PlayStation uh, in Japan. Wow. There you have it. There we go. Uh, but yeah that's that's all in terms of sega really for the playstation of course later playstation consoles had plenty of sega games yes. but we are talking about the playstation one and i figure we should talk about the games that we really liked for it does that sound Ooh. good yeah go on then yeah 
I thought there were a lot of games, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not even going to touch on all the games that no. we really enjoyed for this because there's so many, so so many. Uh, but Rich, let's start with you. Uh, what's the first game that you want to chat about? I am going to chat about uh, Formula One ninety seven. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. I had, I had no interest in Formula Formula One at that time. Mm. Um, it's only in the last couple of years that I've started to enjoy it, as you know. Yeah. What What was it about this particular F one game then that stood out to you? I mean, this was the prior to this. I had briefly played a demo of just Formula One, obviously you know, the the previous game um, on the PlayStation, and I was quite enamoured with it. But at that point, I hadn't actually started following formula one yet and this game came around and i already started kind of watching so it was the first time i'd actually picked up a licensed game um Mm. you know for that particular sport and absolutely loved it um it was developed by bizarre creations and published by psychosis so this was basically a bit of a forerunner to games that would come later like your um project gotham's Mm. and msr's and it's just even now i mean we're looking we're in an era now of um codemasters officially licensed games and how much how far they've come how detailed they are how just faithful representations of the sport but even then these games were just there was never i don't think there's ever been a better f1 game until the most recent ones this game was just like the gold standard um it had a nice blend of simulation but it did kind of have somewhat of an arcade appeal to it 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 did play it did control simple much more simpler to simulations that we're used to nowadays but it was just a great representation of the 97 season of the sport it had all the tracks in it all the drivers minus Jacques Villeneuve who wasn't in it for licensing reasons um (laughs) and yeah, it had all the. It actually had the proper TV presentation as well as he had Murray Walker doing commentary awesome. with Martin Brundle. Um, that in itself was just fantastic. It was Murray just screaming like Murray does, and then every off, <laughs> every so often, Martin would just chime in with, um, "You're right there, Murray," and then that'll be it. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was just brilliant over and over again. I swear it's the only piece of dialogue he actually recorded. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's it's hard to put a finger on, but there's something about the way this game played, just the speed, nice tight controls. Engine sounds weren't fantastic. They're really high shrill, like a really high shrill pitch, and I don't find they really improved until later games. Mm. But yeah, it's it's just a great game. This was really the beginning, I think, for me of that real dive into the rabbit hole that were PlayStation 1 racing games. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of started the obsession with the likes of um, Colin McRae, Gran Turismo. There was, I mean, the PlayStation it was obviously known for having so many racing games, but this was like the start of the journey for me. I absolutely loved it. And it said it came at the right time. It was, I was just really getting into the sport. So having a video game version of it that was close to the TV product was just... Yeah, it, it, it was an absolute blast, and I love this game. I've, I've not played it in years, and I really want to go back to it. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it's it's fantastic. It looks it looks really sharp too. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's one of those games that I find it 
looks rough around the edges now, but it still does kind of hold up in a weird way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cars on the track, which is surprising. Yeah. It's, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, Mm. and even, like, I swear, even now, I don't remember an F1 game that's actually forced me to retire. Um, All the time, you used to get engine failures in this game. You hear the engine start to warble and start to cut out, and then just a big plume of blue smoke at the back. Even the latest games, I doesn't matter how I drive, how much I abuse the car, I just can't get the power unit to fail. And even though it ruined your race, like I found it the most satisfying thing to have like victory snatched from you through through no fault of your own. It just gave this real sense of realism to it. Like there were other variables at play. It didn't just have to be you being you know a shit driver. It could mm. be you know, your mechanics messed up. And um yeah, another nice little touch as well. It actually had um, actually had tear-offs on your helmets as well, so on your visors. If you had onboard view, you'd get dirt building up on the screen. Nice. You had to press the, I yeah. think it was the triangle button, and you would just tear off one of the um, tear-off strips, and you'd have a nice <laughs> new clear you know, vision. So it, it's just really cool. stuff I don't remember coming out in subsequent games, and yeah, it just left such an impression on me. It's It's a cracking mm-hmm. game. That is that just I mean that just sounded amazing. Like I'm gonna have to try and find this now to play it, but I mean you, you had me as soon as you said that it was de- developed by Bizarre Creations and then like published by Psygnosis. Like those are two amazing companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean another link to Sega there, the fact that, you know, Bizarre Creations developer of Metropolis Street Racer and this was the game the well the the racing game before Metropolis Street Racer they produced. They they did Fur Fighters as well, of course. Um but yeah, Metrop- the the pedigree there is is insane. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I need to play this game now. <laughs> I definitely do. But I, I I was when when you mentioned originally you were going to bring this game in, I had in my mind like an EA game. When when did EA get the uh, the license for F1? EA did get the license. I think it was around the two thousand two thousand one season. Okay. They had like a couple of games came out. Um, I think it was then because I remember one of them had the uh, the Jaguar on the cover, um, mm. and they were decent. They actually weren't bad, but it was a very short stint. And funnily enough, EA has the license again now, so that's good. <laughs> they do, but, yay! That's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Sony. I got a bit peed off for this game because Bizarre Creations developed the first one and this one, and they were just the best. And then after that, I don't know why, but they got the boot and they weren't developing anymore. It was um. I think it was studio 33 or something mm. or was it i can't remember the name of the developer now did f198 and it just went backwards and um in what think, in what sense um just it looked worse it controlled more arcadey just felt just boo basic it didn't have the nice mm. little touches didn't have the nice finesse to it it just felt like they just threw a game out um I think it was Visual Sciences did F198, and I think it was Studio 33 did F199, which mm-hmm. I had on the PC, which was okay, but I thought F197 was just heads and, head and shoulders the best Formula 1 game at that point, and at that time, the best racing game I played on the PlayStation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant game. Awesome. Yeah, possibly the reason that Bizarre Creations didn't go on to do it as well is I think that they that's when they struck a deal with Sega because they did ah, produce yeah. Fur Fighters and then Metropolis Street Racer. So I ah. think that they just 
that and they were they sense. were they were developing Metropolis Street Racer for a good couple of years before it came out, so that would uh, that kind of makes sense for that. Um, but one thing I'm so I'm looking at Bizarre Creations kind of gameography or whatever you would call it now, um, and there's some great games on there, and obviously a lot of great racing games. Um, what the last racing game being Blur, which I think was absolutely fantastic, and I'm so sad we never got a Blur too. But looking at this, their last game that they released was J- James Bond 007 Bloodstone. I did not know that they wow, made I didn't that know game. They did that. No way. That's a good game. And dude. yeah, uh, and I'm just now thinking of IO, who now have the James Bond license. <sighs> oh, I can't wait to play that. And my, uh, I'm, I'm hoping they don't go the same way. If, yeah, as bizarre. Because I mean, IO, I mean, IO are fine now, but you know, they've been running, they've been running the gamut the last few years here. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully the. James Bond license is not a kiss of death. We'll see. We will see indeed. And if it is, then we've just jinxed it. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you've made me want to play F1, or sort of Formula One 97 now. Absolutely. Um, just for that pedigree alone. And the, uh, the I mean, I even in, in F1 2019, 2020, you don't get that kind of um, the strip thing, do you? You no. can't. No, I've I've never known any other game. I don't think even like I never played F one ninety eight. I know F one ninety nine. I don't remember having the tear offs, mm. but it was just a nice little touch and um, it's a very nice touch. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the kind of detail yeah, this you, game... you don't expect a PS one game to have, really. No, no. It was it it was one of those features. It was like it didn't need to be in there. Like you'd expect it for a game now because obviously you've got different different forms of onboard views. You know, you've got your actual helmet cam. You've got the um, T-bar cam. You've got the one that's slightly to a slight Dutch angle cam. That you know, you've got different. You've got like three different onboard views now. You'd, you'd expect that level of realism for a modern game, but it was just for a game released in like the mid '90s. It just seemed a bit like oh, that was a surprising addition. Hmm. Yeah, that was like a nice little extra bit of detail, um, but it it did make for a, a bit more a bit more immersion. So it, it was really really cool. Hmm. Awesome. All right, um, let's move on to the next game. Steve, mm. what game do you want to chat about first? I want to talk to you about Siphon Filter. Mm. So Siphon Filter was a game... There was a bit of a golden age of like stealthy stealth games on the PS1. Kind of where I... like I'm, I'm a stealth game fan, and this is kind of where that all started. It's uh, Siphon Filter, Metal Gear Solid, Tenchu. Those are the three... Um, PS1 games that were sort of introduced me and everyone else really to stealth games, but Siphon Filter was was also um, an action game as well as being a stealth game, and it had a storyline that was like um, I don't want to say Hollywood. It was like you know TV movie style storyline with those kind of mm. produ- kind of production values, and you play as a as a um, as an agent uh, for the U.S. Gov- government called Gabe Logan who runs like he's pooed himself and has a, a <laughs> roll button that you can press at any time including when you're approaching panes of glass so you can roll through those which is rad as hell <laughs> yeah. um and yeah it's just got this political intrigue story of double crossing and terrorism and and viruses as weapons and you just kind of have to romp across different parts of the United States shooting terrorists and the shooting controls were really cool it had auto aim with really clear visual information about who you were automatically aiming at with a big green uh, box that went around who you were 
shooting at so yeah. doing combat roles and shooting guys at the same time was super easy and it looked awesome and it felt awesome uh, there was a lot of detail on the enemies when you shot them as well and this sounds kind of morbid but i don't care they would get like blood patches on them as you shot them and then like blood would spurt out and it was just like yeah this is cool this feels gritty and <laughs> adult and uh, you could also have manual aiming as well uh, and if you got the crosshair over the head it would tell you this is a headshot if you press fire now you'll kill them in one shot um and that felt unique at the time. Obviously, headshots are a thing in every game now, but I don't remember a game before this one where headshots were a thing. So there were some levels where you were encouraged to be stealthy and you could just sort of creep creep around getting headshots with your silenced pistol, and it was, it was great. Um, there was a really nice balance between stealth and action as well, and you had less stealthy options like grenade launchers and assault rifles, and, of course, the taser which you mm. can't talk about Siphon Filter without mentioning. The taser was uh, amazing. Um, you could fire it, you could auto-aim it the same way as any other gun, and you could fire it at people seemingly no matter what distance they were from you, and a massive cable would fly out of it and stick into them and electrocute them, and they would scream. Um, but you could hold down the fire button for as long as you liked, and eventually they would catch fire. Uh, and scream <laughs> nice. more and the, the 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 camera would cut to behind them so you had like a view of them behind and you were sort of off in the distance holding down this taser while they just convulsed and burst into flames it was ridiculous but it was fantastic <laughs> seems very um samuel jackson in uh, team america when he just like <laughs> bursts into flames yes yeah that's what, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I, just, yes. I just have that scene in my head now. Sorry, as with a weird thing. Him little muffled screaming as I, it just burns. I don't. But... I don't. I don't remember that scene. But sure, that's that's. Yep, yeah, that sounds yeah. ac- cool. accurate. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what inspired that scene. I don't know. Maybe um, you never know. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Really, really good game. Awesome. Yeah. The the visual language of that game is you reminded me of. So the the green mm-hmm. um, kind of reticule. Like when I think of Siphon Filter, that's what I that's what I think yeah. of. Hmm. Um, it's it's front and center the whole time, right? Like you you, you nearly constantly see that green. I don't reticule. think. Uh, no, well, you see it a lot because you're shoot yeah. you're shooting a lot. But when sure. you're not shooting it, it's not it's uh, no it's, uh, it's not there. But yeah, it is it is on the screen a lot. Um, it, it it is a core part of the way that game looks. And I feel like having just having that level of free control over where you're shooting with the green. Uh, reticle I don't I I don't remember games doing that before this one I mean they probably Mm. did but this was the first time I saw it Mm. and you could shoot padlocks off doors and stuff it was really cool yeah very detailed Mm. Uh, was this did this come out after the dual shock was this a dual shock game Uh, good question Uh, I don't I don't you didn't need the dual shock to play it so it wasn't a dual shock game but I don't future games you did I think right like the two and three I think you did yeah. yeah I do remember, this is one of those games I remember obsessively playing the demo that I had on PlayStation Magazine. I don't know if it was like the opening, there's like was, a street level yeah. or something. With the and CDC one guys games. as well. Yes, yeah. that's the one. But yeah, I never owned this game, never played anything more than that level, but I went back to that demo so many times. I don't mm-hmm. know why I never picked it up. I, I was on that weird kind of kick at the time. Like I never got into like Europe metal gear solids but i like these kind of espionage games mm-hmm. like this and win back on the n64 and mission Impossible. like yeah i was a bit of a weird kick at that time so this game appealed to me and 
I did like the real kind of Hollywood action movie aesthetic to it. It felt a bit more. It was that cheesier kind of brasher cousin of like MGS. It just yes, that's right. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at the cutscenes cut now, they are cringe. They are terrible. But now, now I have to go back. <laughs> yeah, no, you should. It's kind of it's kind of hilariously cringe. But but yeah, definitely, it was it was doing a similar kind of thing to MGS, but just very brazenly and without nuance. Yeah, it appealed to me more, I think, because it wasn't so stealthy. It was yeah. just kind yeah. of... It wasn't run and gun, but yeah, it felt a bit more... I want to say accessible, but yeah, yeah. it appealed to me. A bit more gung-ho appealed to me. And there were quite a few sequels, wasn't there? Yes, there I were believe. three... Mm. Well, there were wow. three sequels on the PlayStation. The oh, latter... Just, of, just on the PS1? Just on Jeez. the PS1, yeah. The latter of which came out right at the, uh, right at the end of when the PS1 was relevant it was weird i i had a ps2 at the time and i remember thinking what that's on the ps1 what why don't you make a ps2 one what's what's going on but yeah. they were they were all great they were all really good the third was then running out of steam a bit um but they were all yeah. really really good games yeah just having a look here so 1999 is when siphon filter came out and then 2000 then they had one in 2000 siphon filter 2 and then Siphon Filter 3 in 2001. Mm. And of course, they went on to have like three PS2 games, and two of those were also on the PSP. Um, three I... PS2 games? Yeah, the Omega Strain, Dark Mirror, and Logan Shadow. Wow. So I think two of them were PlayStation Portable games that then also got ported okay, to PS2. Fine. All right. So, but what I didn't realize, and I'm realizing now, is that the developer of these games is um, Ben Studio. Ben Studio, yeah. who make Days Gone. That's right. And in Days Gone, so, there is a taser oh, wow. that you can find. There's a secret taser that you can find, and I believe it behaves the way you want it to. Oh wow! Yeah, that's nice. really cool. And and, and cool. I think there are, there are clues in that game that it shares the same universe as Siphon Filter, which is an absurd thing to think to <laughs> think about. That somewhere in that world, I mean, it's a good game that, but it 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 doesn't. It's... Gabe Logan would not fit. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't. And it, it, it's it's a shame that there's not been a siphon filter game since no, the PSP. No. And it's weird because they, they it seems that Sony just decided that they were um, handheld developers until the PS4 because they did a uh, a resistance game for the PSP yeah. and then they did two Uncharted games for the PlayStation Vita uh, before they got given their own game again. It's a real so. it's a real shame. I didn't play any. I think I played a demo of one of the PSP ones and it wasn't very good. And it's a real shame. Um, that Siphon Filter just kind of died a death. Uh, I I didn't play mm. any of the sequels post PS One. They just didn't review very well, so I didn't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love I'd love to see it come back in some in some form. Yeah, be interesting. I think um, I mean Days Gone didn't do the best for them, but I think uh, initially at least. But I think people have kind of warmed to it over time. They have, yeah. So hopefully, given that Sony will let them do. A siphon filter game perhaps and, and maybe a days gone sequel as well but um yeah because there was a time when sony just seemed to want them to make games of other people's properties rather than their own so it's uh, it'd be nice to see another siphon filter game and I, yeah. I i haven't played i haven't really played siphon filter myself i i remember watching you play quite a lot of it steve so it's it looked it looked good yes this wasn't uh, for some reason the reason i went on to see about ben studio i had it in my head that the people who made Siphon Filter also made the Navy SEAL games, but that's not true. That's not the Navy the SEAL games. There was like a bunch of I don't oh, know if it was uh, PS One. Uh, uh, Socom, are you thinking of Socom? Oh yeah, yeah. Socom, yeah, yeah. Those were those were PS Two, I think. That's right, but for some reason I thought they then went on to make 
no i can see why i can see why you would think that yeah but no there's there's some similarities in there but um yeah but that that, that's another series i'm sure at some point we'll we'll discuss Mm -hmm. because that's 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 a series i didn't realize was a really like it it has a lot of games in that series did uh which is and it was brilliant that's the first game i played online wow on my my ps2 it was it was great it was brilliant amazing Mm. um that was zipper interactive I've, I'm just looking go. here, so there you go. Um, but anyway, that's a very off topic, but that's just like us to <laughs> go completely off topic. Um, Siphon Filter, yeah, interesting game, and I think I believe the, I think it's the first one that's on the PlayStation Classic. Oh, one right. of them is on there for sure. So I'm gonna have to go and mm. give that a go. I think you should, yeah, give it a play. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, moving on then. Uh, one of my choices. Uh, I'm going to start with probably the most obvious choice for me because I love this series of games and I always am shaking my fist whenever Konami announce a game and it's not a sequel to this game. Um, and, of course, that's Silent Hill, uh, which is just like... So we'd had Resident Evil and Resident Evil had brought survival horror to us and it was fantastic and I, I'm a huge horror fan, as everybody knows. But then Silent Hill was something completely different, and that was psychological horror. That's what brought us the psychological horror genre to console. And it is a bizarre game, Mm -hmm. and one that could only have done as well as it did and captured people's imaginations as it did on the PlayStation. And we've discussed it before in a previous episode. Um, I think that the year that it came out, we discussed this. And, you know, the fact that it, it used the playstation's graphical limits to its advantage in the fact that you know it was hard it would hide uh you know the distance with fog so it didn't have to render so much into the distance and it could hide things in you know going on further on uh it, it played it to its advantage but not just the technical aspects of it but the the story of that game is unlike anything i had played up to that point you know it, it had these characters and the voice acting unfortunately wasn't amazing for the most part and i think this was also due to the limitations of the console but there was lots of um pauses in between sentences being spoke um so be like was it like harry was the main character and obviously the, the main part of the story is he crashes his car in silent hill loses his daughter cheryl uh, who gets out of the car while he's unconscious and he has to go searching for her uh, in this town that seems to be deserted and inhabited by horrible monsters um, and he's not sure where everybody is and what's going on. And he finally comes to like a cafe and he meets the police officer, Sybil, and he's like, Cheryl, massive pause. <laughs> Where's Cheryl? It's like, I- I'm pretty sure that's something to do with it loading from the disc. It does feel but... like that, doesn't it? It does feel like it's just loading the next line of dialogue. Probably for the best, his yeah. games never came to the Dreamcast. It was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that would that would have given the game away somewhat. But that was the case. But um, it, it's just it's such an atmosphere. Like it creates an atmosphere that game, unlike any I think I you know apart from the other Silent Hill games, it, it's an atmosphere unlike anything else I've played. And I have hugely fond and vivid memories of playing this game because i got it for my i can't remember which birthday it would have been but i got it for a birthday and we happened to be uh down in norfolk on a family holiday and it was my birthday while we were away 
and I think I've said this before, but I, for my birthday that year, I got given Silent Hill for the PlayStation. We bought the PlayStation with us specifically so I could play this, so I, you know, I can get the present and actually play it. And also the CD single of Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child, which <laughs> are two <laughs> completely opposite uh, things. But um, yeah, my memories of that holiday are playing Bills, Bills, Bills on repeat and uh, playing Silent Hill. Um, they, 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 was... they sound equally horrific to me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But it was bizarre because my my whole because you know we were in it we we're in a like it was like a what was it like just a holiday home it wasn't like a caravan it was like a like a chalet or something, and there was one TV in the whole place so I was playing this like in the evening and the entire family had to sit around and watch me play <laughs> Silent Hill because there was nothing else nice. to do, so it was one of the it was one of the only occasions that my entire family were invested in a game the same way I was. And it was really, it was a really interesting experience for me. I didn't finish it while I was there. I finished it later, they, but just those early moments. Were they moments. into it? Yeah, well, I mean, my mum's a horror fan, so she was kind of into it. And my stepdad at the time was was like kind of into it. My, I don't think my brother and sister were so much because they were younger. Uh, and I think they were off doing their own thing. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was like a, it wasn't like a family experience, but it was interesting <laughs> getting my mum's yeah, cool. stepdad's opinion on a game. Um, like my mum only really played Tekken other than that like she'd occasionally play a two-player game of Tekken with me um but yes it was really interesting and it's 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 an amazing game that has an amazing atmosphere and a weird cult related story that has multiple endings I mean it's it's just probably one of my favorite games on the Dreamcast on the Dreamcast on the PlayStation (laughs) I have the Dreamcast in my head it's Dreamcast years um have both of you i know that you've played it Steve. Yes. i can't remember rich did you have you played or played any of this one at all i've had a brief spell with uh, silent hill but yeah. it was never never a series i really yeah spent much time with um mm. going back again to me just being a bit of a bit of a wuss and not really caring much for survival horror at the time um i've grown a few more hair a few more hairs on my chest since but <laughs> still not my genre so no. It's a series I know I should go and revisit and probably should start at the very beginning, but yeah, don't have much experience, I'm afraid. But it does look cool. It does look cool. So, so yeah. I, I really, I like horror now as an as an adult in a way that I didn't as a kid. Mm. Um, but I still don't mm. love jump scares, right? I still, mm. I'm just, I think, uh, I'm just not a fan of of being jump scared. So when it comes to my horror films, I'm like, I prefer a psychological horror film because mm. then, you know, that's 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 my kind of horror. But when it comes to games, yeah. I don't like jump scares in games either, but I don't like psychological horror games. I mean, I love I love this game. <laughs> I, it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But man, mm. I can't play it. <laughs> it's just too much no. for me. It's, I, I can't yeah. I can't play it alone I should say like I'll play it with someone else or or I'll watch someone else play it as I did for many hours when you mm-hmm. when you played this Andrew but yeah man it's heavy it's a very heavy mm-hmm. game I mean the the second one more so but the first game I mean the way that it it kind of I mean the monsters themselves and how you you eventually come to realize what they stand for what they mean mm-hmm. these monsters um you know the the town itself is is a scary place well it's not just the monsters but the town itself like you're exploring this town you can go into these houses and kind of look at objects and pick up notes that kind of talk about the you know the residents who who used to live there and you get to interact with uh people like lisa who's the nurse at the hospital who has just like you has no idea what's going on so she's kind of like helps to ground you in the story but you also get to talk to people like dahlia who is you know pretty much the cult's leader 
uh, or at least she's you know she's very involved with the cult at any rate um and it's the way that it kind of draws you into that story and the way that it draws you into silent hill as a town there's no other game that i can think of that makes the town such an integral part Mm. of the game and it makes it an integral part of the the story and the horror of it you know that it's 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 off-putting enough when it's just a foggy town that nobody inhabits but then when you go into the other world when this when the air raid siren plays and all of a sudden everything's rusty metal and blood and guts and horrible industrial sounds it's yeah I don't think I've I don't I don't think I've ever experienced any other game outside of the Silent Hill franchise that that has that kind of aesthetic and that kind of uh, psychological horror vibe. Mm. Like a lot of games try to be psychological horror, but I don't think anything succeeds quite the way that like, Silent Hill does. A lot of other games try and be psychological horror by like wearing or showing you the trappings of psychological horror, whereas Silent Hill mm. felt very sincere and very mm-hmm. new and it because like going to another world where everything is industrial and rusty and shitty like that's a silent hill thing before mm-hmm. silent hill you didn't that wasn't that wasn't a thing right hmm. no not really so, so this was new and this was a game and like games before this as well again they wore the trappings of horror but nothing like this this game was very like i was very unnerved by this game because it was sincerely yeah. trying to fuck with you and it and it wanted yeah. you to feel uncomfortable uh mm-hmm. you know which is fun but y- the game isn't fun the game is <laughs> the no. game is uh it it is enrapturing and it is intriguing and you want to go deeper but it also mm-hmm. wants you to be uncomfortable and to have an uncomfortable experience and it's very good at that yeah it's it's reminding me now now that we're talking about that it's it's very much like the the things that people say about the last of us 2 now mm-hmm. that it's it's not it's not a fun game it's uncomfortable to play and uncomfortable yeah. to experience but you still want to it's it, it draws you yeah. into continuing i mean i think that's um bollocks i think last of us 2 is is fun <laughs> but in terms it of yeah. sun hill yeah i mean that's what drockman said about it and and that's fine i don't agree with him but Silent Hill, however, <laughs> definitely the case. Like, it's not a fun game, yeah. but you want to play it because you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Let's yeah. go deeper. I think the first time we talked, we talked about this game. I think I described it as a big pile of blood-covered shit that invites you to dive in, and you do so <laughs> willingly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then, yeah, good description. Yeah. Good description of it. But it's it is a quintessentially PlayStation game yes. as well. Like you could not have had that game anywhere else. Mm. It would not have made sense anywhere else. It, it you know it, it is a PlayStation game, and uh, yeah, I just hope that one day we do get a decent sequel. I, I don't want them to resurrect Silent Hill and just kind of flog its dead body and go oh, look, it's Silent Hill, and it'd be nothing like Silent Hill. I just really hope we get something decent when they eventually bring that back. You wouldn't be up for like a proper remake, you know, along the lines of. Um, Resident Evil remake or you know RE2 that kind of thing. Uh, if they did it well enough, yeah. yeah. If they did because they they've already remade uh, Silent Hill One in oh. uh, it was Shattered Memories for the oh, uh, the yes. Wii and the PSP. Of course, anyway. So it was it's a, a remake in the loosest. I mean, it's, it follows the the same vague story, but it changes uh, a huge okay. amount. Okay. I feel so. like I feel like Blooper Games are trying to uh, 
or Bloober Games are trying to get um, yeah. their roar in there and be like, hey, look, we'll do it, we'll do it. Look, look at the media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've got a Kiri Amioka already, so you, you gotta know, do it. Like, uh... you gotta, you, you really, the reason why so many latter day Silent Hill games failed is because they didn't nail that sincerity. You can't dress something up to look like. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so, like it's got to be Silent Hill um, and I don't know how you do that but it's going to take some doing yeah very true alright so moving on from Silent Hill Rich back to you what other Playstation game do you want to chat about um, well one of the ones I think that was quite significant um, at the time being a racer and being a racing fan was definitely Wipeout 2097 mm. but I really, 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 really want to talk about uh, Die Hard Trilogy. Um, <laughs> big time. Big time. Go for um, it. So that was a essentially a, a three-in-one game pack that was uh, developed by uh, Probe Entertainment, I believe. And so basically it was the video game adaptation of Die Hard, Die Harder, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And each one was essentially a different genre so die hard was your standard kind of third person shooter you're just running through corridors of nakatomi plaza on christmas eve you know doing all the things that john mcclain did in that film uh quips from i think it was probably a bruce willis sound alike but it was a really it was a really fun game it had a nice pace to it it was very simple you're just collecting you know health and just running around shooting terrorists it would there was it was pretty no frills it was just good honest hostage saving and terrorist killing action die harder was probably my favorite which was an on rails shooter in your typical kind of virtue cop house of the dead um sense i never actually had a light gun on the playstation i only ever played this game with the controller but i loved it and i must have completed it so many times um so like the film of the same name yeah you're at the Dallas airport on Christmas Eve um going through the airport going out onto the runway you're by the church in the snow at one point on a uh, snowmobile chase it just it throws this game as a whole it throws so many different things at you like even though each playstyle is different there's things within each one to kind of break it up and make it feel a little bit more different still so riding around the snowmobile in the second game it, it suddenly you're zipping around fast and you're trying to shoot terrorists off of other snowmobiles it just became crazy um and then dial with a vengeance was your driving around the city in a kind of a driver sense and diffusing bombs by driving into them and making them blow up which i never quite understood (laughs) like you're trying to save the city by making them explode um I wasn't as big a fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance, both the film and the game, actually, as much as other people. I think I probably preferred the first two more. I don't know if it was just because I wasn't very good at it. Um, But, yeah, I really love this game. It's one of the ones I got with my PlayStation on the Christmas of 96 and being massively into Die Hard at the time and having a video game version, which I don't think there had been at that point. Um... Yeah, it was just crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, this is probably early, really, into the whole, at least for me, at least, in terms of just movie movie game tie-ins. I, I know there was certainly quite a few on the Mega Drive that I'd played, and they were on the SNES as well, but something like this, this kind of package of having three different genre types, it's 3D, 
you've got a guy that sounds like John McClane making you know quips as you're running along doing your thing it just it felt quite true to the films it was they were based on and it mm. yeah it was just, it was just so much fun i i played this non-stop on that christmas um which was actually quite a snowy christmas that year as well so it felt appropriate um mm. yeah no tremendous game i absolutely loved it yeah it's it's one of the it is one of the one of the good movie tie-ins there's not very many of them more so now but back then there wasn't many great movie tie-ins and the, like you say yeah the fact that it was three genres in one I mean, I the, the, at the time this wasn't really the kind of game that I would have thought that I would have enjoyed, but I mm. did, I did get it. it. It may have been a, a copied version of it, perhaps. <laughs> I think I re- recall talking about piracy again. Um, <laughs> but my biggest memory of this, and this is this is probably bizarre to everybody else, but you know, you know, you get those moments where you kind of shut yourself away from the world and nothing else matters, and you literally mm-hmm. just focused mm-hmm. on a game or a movie or something like that. And I remember I was in my room, and I'd shut the door. And this is gonna, this is gonna be, it's, it's gonna sound weird in a second. So I had this game on and I was playing it. It was also, I got this game at the time that Billy Piper's first album came out, Honey to the Bee, and um, I was listening to Honey to the Bee while playing Die Hard trilogy, I done the like same for thing. hours, hours and hours, and I just shut myself away from the rest of the world. And those two things were the only things that existed um, for that kind of period of time. Probably MSN in between as well, mm-hmm. but yeah. It was. Uh, I have very fond memories, especially like you say of the first two. Like the first two games were great. Uh, yeah. The third game was okay. That's a but, good. Yeah, that's a, a good video game memory. Mm. Right there, that's cool. Uh, I I also yeah. loved these games. Uh, well, I also loved this game. Super weird that you bought a game and it was actually three games. I mean, you know, yeah. one of these alone is not a game's worth of stuff, right? Like they, they, they no, they are quite short. They are, they are, they are, they are quite short. But yeah, really weird that you could just. I feel like doing this now and just swap to a different genre on the same disc. But they, yeah. they kind of had elements that sort of that they had coherent elements right like all of the people were rendered in this really weird kind of they were made up of 2d sprites yeah so like when you move the camera around you'd have these weird things where like the thumbs would be on the wrong side of their hands and stuff it kind of <laughs> it had a really bizarre look to it but the faces were terrifying the faces also because they were they looked like like photographs of people it's yeah. like they did they yeah. digitized a person into a set of 2d sprites that then they made into this like marionette style it was very weird but it also looked really <laughs> cool and the game the game overall all, all three games looked really really nice i think and that was that was a good um that was a good thing about about this game it just felt cool to play a game that looked this nice and on the on on the first game i remember the smashing glass being very satisfying yeah. it was very fun to just fire a machine gun at dudes and see all the glass smashing behind them that 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 was <laughs> really awesome the one that i was the most fascinated with was the was die hard 2 though the on rails shooter i had a light gun and that was great fun that was really really good fun and it sort of followed loosely followed the plot of the film as well, and that was that that mm. that was cool. So you started off in the airport, and I remember the opening cutscene where there's like just civilians wandering around and cars driving around, and it's at Christmas and there's snow, and I was just like, man, this is so fucking cool. This is Die Hard two, but in a game. <laughs> and then you start shooting dudes, and it was incredibly violent, which is you know fun when you're a kid. 
um, the, and the, and the blood, now the bloodshed in that one was just crazy. It is crazy. Fountains, plumes, yeah. plumes of blood, and it and it sticks to the environment as well. Which it just it looked mm-hmm. it looked it's the kind of game that you didn't really want your parents to see you playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll defend the third one a little bit though. I I, I enjoyed that one. Um, the 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 driving part. Um, if it. it felt like new york just went on forever i think i think it just i think the map just looped because i remember thinking i'm going to drive as far as i can and see what happens but you just keep going i feel like they had some kind of clever trick where they just loop the city around you but it felt like a huge city that you could just drive around in obviously you had the objectives and if you ran out of time you you would fail but it felt like a cool city that you could drive around in which is awesome uh, and if you switch to onboard camera and then run over the pedestrians uh, the screen would be covered in blood, uh, and then windscreen wipers would would wipe yeah, the blood that away. That was nasty. Which was uh, yeah. funny. But then the people would always get up again, and then they would always swear at you, and then keep walking. So you never really killed anyone. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. And and <laughs> an uh, enduring memory of that one. If you run over guys too much, the Sam Jackson sound alike says, "Are you aiming for those people?" Nice. <laughs> Something that I'll always remember. Nice. Going back to like the scary faces though, on the uh, well, kind of sprites, I guess they were. I always remember like in Die Hard, uh, like some of their facial expressions are odd. I always remember some of the characters; they looked mildly amused at dying. Mm-hmm. They just looked—they were smiling at me as they died. It was just—it's <laughs> an image that stays with me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know why Die with a Vengeance is probably my least favorite because it was—it was the first time I'd actually been exposed to the game. I remember seeing it. It was one of the Games Master challenges, I believe, and uh, some guy from Hollyoaks was doing it. And I always thought this game looks sick, but then buying it and I was like, kind of like the first two more. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. I was a driving game nut at that fan at, at that time, so I should have been more into that one but yeah, yeah. I, I mean it is the weakest of the three for sure um, mm. and the driving is extremely arcade i seem to remember there is a button yeah. for just doing a hard left or hard right turn like there was no you didn't dial that in remember you just that? pressed it and you go mm. and you just wow. slide around the grid system of new york i might i might i might i might be wrong about that but i seem to remember that the driving was just very very arcadey yeah mm. yeah sounds right I'd like to. I'd like to know what type of games Die Hard Four and Die Hard Five would be if they ever oh, did that. <laughs> um, Die Hard Four, I could see it being. <sighs> I think it would be like a Stardew Valley style uh, farm simulator. <laughs> okay, for a subsurface what? circular kind of yeah. game, where it's just like, this, yeah, lots of like. I don't know. It'd be shit. I think I think uh, there five, would be games oh. that you would sort of be cautiously optimistic about and then ultimately be disappointed by, I think. Yeah. See, I didn't mind 4 too much. Like, it was mm. it was very modern, as do in know, modern for the time. Do you know why 4 sucked? And yeah. I don't care how this makes me sound. They stripped out all the violence and the swearing. And yeah. that is a key mm. component of a Die Hard film, is the violence and the swearing. You didn't like it yeah. when they masked the uh, motherfucker with a gunshot? It was It was so clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't mm. know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a shame. I mean, the fifth, the fifth film was was just bad, just very bad. Didn't even watch it. But oh uh, no! Same. I mean, don't don't bother. <laughs> but I mean, the, at least I I feel like the fourth thing, the fourth film had some, you know, there was some redeeming qualities to it. Like I did enjoy it. I think it was a nice. It was a good action film. But yeah, like you said, it did take away a lot of yeah. the stuff that you would associate with Die Hard. So, um, yeah. 
No. Well, if anybody anybody listening, either on Radio Sega or if you're listening to us later, what what type of games would four and five be? <laughs> let's uh, let's let's get some pictures together and uh, see if we can get those made. Uh, I wonder if we'll get a sixth film before Bruce Willis. I think uh, we are getting another film. Box. Are we not? We're doing oh, that really? Die Hard. Was it Year One or something? Where it was meant to be like the a prequel. It was meant to be like a prequel and like a current day. Like it was meant to be two halves of a film so you kind of flashbacks yeah. to him as like a, a just a standard beat cop and then like that sounds like a bad idea <laughs> old man old man mclean she's like a logan kind of film that'd be good just kill him off at the end because we can't make any more films please yeah please. they do need to kill him off they really yeah. do uh it's, it's, you know i think i think i think six films is enough for die hard two films is enough to i mean you know, um, one i mean die hard one perfect perfect film they could have ended with yeah. that one but you know yeah yeah there you go um all right so great game i'm flooding back with memories now and i'm probably gonna have to play this again at some point just because of that it's uh, so good uh and and just to mention you, you did say Wipeout 2097 mm-hmm. and it's one that we mentioned for the saturn as well also a very very good game uh, good memories of that and a, and a great series going forward as yeah, well so definitely uh, that kind of epitomized like the console as a whole for me in one game like with the, the soundtrack and just the whole cool image going on it just yeah. felt mature and yeah. so different yes, to what it, was played a, before. it was a very playstation ass playstation game for sure yeah, yeah. I mean, very true Firestarter. starter i said <laughs> no, exactly yeah don't even need to say anymore fire starter says it all um steve yes what would you what else would you want to talk about in I terms mean, of playstation games there is there is a lot that we could talk 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 about it is I mean, time limits us, really. But I, mm-hmm. like I said, I had a light gun. I loved Time Crisis. Fantastic yeah. game. Uh, point Blank, also a fantastic game. We mm-hmm. touched on Ape Escape. Um, you got Parappa uh, the Rapper. Um, mm-hmm. Similar kind of look to Die Hard Trilogy, weirdly. Now that I think think about it. 2D really? pe- people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Bushido Blades. Man, the list just goes on. Um, yeah. But uh, Tenchu Stealth Assassins is the one that I want to get a bit mm. de- bit deeper into. I mentioned it bri- briefly earlier, kind of the part of the stealth trifecta that was my education in stealth games. Um, mm. I really, really loved this game for a lot of reasons. Um, this is the first game where I really was like blown away. Well. One of the benefits of the PlayStation, obviously, is that it runs off discs, which means that you can have soundtracks, which are much higher quality than you could before. You could have actual mm-hmm. music tracks in games. And I guess, you know, Grand Theft Auto was the first time I played a game where I was blown away by that. Um, but Tenchu also had an incredible soundtrack, um, which was not possible before now. The first level of this game, you have to infiltrate a castle and uh, assassinate. So it's set in in feudal Japan. You have to infiltrate a castle and assassinate some corrupt, uh, corrupt leader. Um, And it's 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 at night, and you infiltrate this massive estate. And the soundtrack is man, it's so so good. Uh, I encourage you to go to YouTube and look up the first level of this game just to hear the uh, the music that's playing because it's brilliant. Um, And it's kind of it's got this real like authentic feudal Japan feel. And before Tenchu, if you played a game with ninjas in it, they they were like beat-em-ups or action games it was shinobi or 
whatever. Whereas this was an actual like stealthy ninja game where you played as a ninja doing ninja stuff. You had a grappling hook so that you could get to high places. This estate and this castle area had servants wandering around it and guards wandering around it and you could press yourself up against the wall and sneak around and hide in bushes and as i said you could grab grapple up onto roofs you could stealth kill guys it was also incredibly violent um the (laughs) geezers of blood that would come out of dudes when you uh slashed them was ridiculous even at the time it was laughable but it kind of all adds to this aesthetic it feels like an old japanese samurai film it's got all of those old sound effects when you're you know at the when you swing a web um a weapon and like that weird pinging noise when you block when you clash swords nice Uh, it's just it's so good it feels awesome and it, it felt authentic at the time and it felt grown up um and yeah i just loved it and like i said i'm a big stealth game guy and it's largely because of this game and the other two that i've mentioned and some more tenchu games came out but i'm sad that this has gone away now i would love to see a new ten a new tenchu game mm. yeah you were big into mm-hmm. this like big big into yeah. this I mean, it's no surprise that you love stealth games so much. Because... I, I mean, I also, just like every other little nerdy kid at the time uh, in the West, I was fat, I was obsessed with Japan, etc. So yeah. it also had that appeal to it as well. Yeah. And it, it yeah. did that very well. It was all... I mean, it seemed authentic to my ignorant teenage yeah. self, but it was all, you know, <laughs> cherry blossoms and pagodas and oh, it was brilliant. It was great. Was it a Japanese developed game or was it developed by a It Western was a studio? Japanese developed game, yeah. Wait, I, oh, I'm saying good. that with confidence and I don't actually know, to be honest. Mm, be interesting to see. But no, I, I, I remember my only memories of this are of you playing it, Steve. So I, I don't have much beyond that. But I do remember like the, the massive spurts of blood when yes. you'd slash people. And it, it, I mean, it, it, it looked very nice as well for a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. It, it looks quite nice. And the, the fact it was in darkness and stuff at the beginning no it was it, it was good and it is absolutely no surprise that you're such a stealth fan when your introduction to it was games like tenchu and metal gear solid like mm-hmm. that is yeah you, you can see why that's that is your go-to genre now uh and, and it's a very very good game and i probably would again and again I, i've said this basically to every game that you guys have brought <laughs> up i should probably go and play this again now because um, uh, i've only had a small amount of time it would it. be it, 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 it would be hard i'm not gonna lie it would be hard to go back go back to you now uh it, mm. it was difficult to control back then. I should imagine it's very hard to control now. Do though, like go back, find out. Yeah, but I should imagine it's I get probably this. quite hard. It's true for most PlayStation yeah. games, though. To be fair, like Silent Hill, especially as well, would be difficult to go back to now. But uh, yeah, did you find out? It's, so what, Acquire what? developed it, and yes, they are a Japanese developer. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, so for all the intents and purposes, it, it's a very Japanese yeah. game, and it's very faithful to that. So. I take it. Is I take it. Um... Tenchu, Tenchu games were kind of hard as nails like other similar games like your Ninja Guidance and that because there seems to be a thing now with these kind of ninja games. They always seem to be like just rock hard. I don't know if they were. I never played Tenchu. I always kind of wanted to but you know, never picked it up. So it, it, it very much encouraged stealth. Like you could just yeah. hack and slash guys but even one-on-one fights were very, very hard. Yeah. So it was it was discouraging of that. But if you could get to grips with the controls, then you could stealth your way through. And and the challenge in that was in the stealth more so than the uh, than the sort of twitchy combat. And you also had like 
you had lots of um, tools at your disposal as well. Yeah. So the AI, it kind of had like a rudimentary um, um, uh, like AI um, uh, exploitation thing. So you could throw rice balls on the ground and they would go, huh, <laughs> and go over to the rice balls and then eat rice off the floor because that's, you know, why nice. wouldn't you? Five second rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then eventually you get poison rice balls. So obviously, then you're poisoning guys from a distance, and you just eventually unlock all these really cool different. You had shurikens that you could throw. Um, I seem to remember there being poison that made people go crazy, so they would attack each other. Um, Were well, they black eggs? I like black eggs. Some... <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> They're like the weird like smoke bomb things, aren't they? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, there were yeah. there were there were smoke bombs. Uh, it was fucking awesome, and at the end of every level, you had a rating as well, so you could go back. Not unlike your hitmans of today, you could go Ooh. back and like perfect a level and get like a, a grandmaster um, rating on all the levels. Man, it was so good. It was brilliant. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's a shame that that kind of fizzled, fizzled out because I think there was one on the Xbox 360, I think, and I think that was the last one that they had. It's like Tenchi Z. Yeah, yeah, it was pants. Was it? Uh, yeah. Uh. I seem to remember they developed one for the Wii, mm. but it was very... Uh, it, it wasn't this. Like uh, They've released a few games with the Tenchu name, but they've never been Tenchu. It's only really ten- Tenchu 1, 2, and 3 that were the Tenchu games that yeah. I want. I mean, to be fair, if you release a game on the Wii, it's not going to be like... I mean, it's like Dead it, Rising on the Wii. It's not the same yeah, game. It, it, yes, it was exactly like that. It was to Tenchu what the Dead Rising Wii game was to that series yeah. as well. Uh, it was called Tenchu Shadow Assassins. It was on the Wii and the PSP. Um, there's a lot... Actually, I'm looking. I'm looking. So we've got Tenchu Stealth Assassins, which is the first one. And then the sequel came out on the PS1, which was Tenchu 2 Birth of the Stealth Assassins. Mm-hmm. And then PS2 and Also X- very, very good. Hmm. And then PS2 and Xbox got Tenchu Wrath of Heaven, which I remember looking so, very good. Wrath of Heaven was fucking great. Mm-hmm. And you could unlock a third character. So so in all the games, you can choose between Ayame and Rikimaru. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that game, you could unlock a secret third character who is a chiropractor. Yep. And and he all of his stealth kills are breaking bones. Nice. <laughs> and whenever you do the stealth kills, it gives you an x-ray vision of what bones you're breaking like Mortal Kombat games wow. oh, it's so good and he had um, um, chiropractic needles as well <laughs> so like you'd get an x-ray vision of him just jamming a needle in someone's neck oh it's brilliant okay. that is, that's cool that is madness that is weird um, then PS2 got Fatal Shadows didn't come to Xbox that one um, don't remember that one no and then there was a PSP game Time of the Assassins the Nintendo DS got a attention game called Dark Secret um, huh. Then you got two on the Xbox 360. You got Tenchu Z and uh, uh, one called Shadow Assault Tenchu, which was actually a pu- an action puzzle game. That might be the one I'm thinking of, actually. Okay. The Maybe. one that I was thinking of earlier. But the, yeah, they're all games with the Tenchu name, but they're not they're not what you want. Yeah, I mean, you just I mean, so I'm looking at um, Wikipedia for this, and they kind of show the Metacritic scores, and of course, the first game got an 87, <laughs> second mm-hmm. got 77. Uh, the one on the PS2 and Xbox got 79, 70, but then from then on it kind of dips, so it's like 58 for Fatal Shadows, 51 for Time of the Assassins, 37 for the Oof. 3D, for the, for the Nintendo DS game um, although the Wii Tenchu game Shadow Assassins got 70 so, 
not terrible, not terrible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's been a long time since we've had one. The last game by the looks of it came out in 2009. So we've not had a, a Tenchu game for over a decade. Wow. Which is, is weird. It seems, like, it seems like they should bring that back with the popularity of things like Hitman and Metal Gear Solid. You know? Give me, oh man, yeah, give me a, like if IO made a Tenchu, that'd be pretty great. Mm, would be. I mean, From Software published a bunch of these. Can you imagine From, from mm-hmm. Software picking it back up and doing yeah. a Tenchu game in the style of Dark Souls or something? Be interesting man um yeah definitely something that should be brought back i i do remember when you played it and it looking very very good so yeah when i'll have to play the second game had a like a it had a, a level maker as well you could oh, really you could create yeah awesome. the second game was ridiculously like advanced for the, for the like it looked incredible and you could hide bodies and stuff and it had a level creator which is just crazy yeah really really good series wow yeah, I'm just looking at here, the mission editor, uh, which I think that was the, it was only in that game, and then it was also in the PSP installment, Tenchu Time of the Assassins. So ah. those are the only two times that it came up. But that's, yeah, that that sounds awesome. Cool. Um, All right, so let's move on. So my, my next game and the last game that we'll talk about now, like you've both said, there are so, 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 so many great games on the PlayStation. And I was going to bring up Final Fantasy VIII, which is probably my favourite Final Fantasy game from that. To be honest, you could talk about all three Final Fantasy games that released mm-hmm. for the PlayStation 7, 8, and 9. They're almost kind of a perfect trilogy for Final Fantasy, uh, to me anyway, but I'm not going to talk about those, and we do talk about 7, 8, and 9 in other episodes, so go listen to those. Um, what I am going to bring up is a mishmash of Final Fantasy and survival horror. Uh, it's just two two things I very much like, and this was Square Enix's or Square Soft at the time's uh, interesting game, Parasite Eve Two. So mm. we never got Parasite Eve, the original game, here in Europe. It came out in Japan and America, but it looked interesting. Uh, it was very much more on the side of survival horror, and it's basically, I believe, um, it takes place in New York and Eve or Eva. I can't remember the name exactly. Um, it's always well, Parasite Eve, isn't it? So Eve. Um, got, what, no, what's the name of the? Oh, it's uh, Arya. It's Aya, yeah. Aya Bria, I think, is her name. Is the main character. Um, Eve. Eve is the uh, is the antagonist. That's correct. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, but I, all I remember from that game is like the opening cinematic, cinematic, which is like an opera singer singing on a stage in some kind of theater in New York, and there's like a like monsters appear and like take over and stuff but uh it looked very cool but the the game that we got here was the sequel and that was parasite 2 and they they moved slightly away from the survival horror aspect they kept it obviously but they they mixed it with a turn-based strategy type you know type of gameplay so it was survival horror basically you are um Aya Bria again. I'm going to have to look up her name now. But um, And you're kind of like an FBI agent, I believe, or you're like a special forces agent of some kind. And you're brought in to help with kind of an uh, kind of an alien attack or this monster attack that's taking place in a building uh, in New York. And you basically, the opening of it is you going and kind of taking on these enemies. And there's some great cinematics in the, in the opening of that game of, of kind of monsters. Because they, they kind of take over human bodies, right? They kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
mutate human bodies into monsters and there's this amazing uh kind of cgi scene where you see this kind of woman in this kind of knitted jumper and she kind of falls to the floor and then she kind of starts to mutate into this horrific monster uh and it was very very well done for the time um so you do that bit and it's kind of like a little standalone section and then you go to the back of beyond for the rest of the game so you go to some kind of little not even a town it's like a a, like a place with like a gas station and a few houses in the middle of nowhere in america uh because you i think you've been taken there uh, as part of your investigation and it is survival horror uh good story but it it brings in the combat is uh almost final fantasy-esque so you can stop time basically and it brings up this little sphere of influence that you have so you can see you know where you can hit a monster and you can choose different areas of the monster to hit and you can do magic spells like you can in final fantasy uh because Arya now is Mm -hmm. able to do that because i think she's been infected to some degree um so it mixes it mixes the kind of resident evil formula with the final fantasy formula and it does it really like surprisingly surprisingly well like I, I i did not think that a game that mixed those two genres like jrpg and uh, and mm. survival horror could ever work but it works very 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 well and was very surprised by it and um yeah it's a game that i still love that i still love to this day uh it's it's a fantastic game yeah it's compelling this one i when i first played it um i was just like what 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 the fuck is this just let me run around and shoot guys what's all this rpg type stuff that's weird (laughs) um but then i sort of kept thinking about it and i was like you know what i'm gonna go back and play that some more because some something to this (laughs) there really was some 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 something to it like it hooks you in um, it's it, it it helps that it also looks very nice and is very very nicely presented. It mm-hmm. has that um, it has that pre-rendered background trick that yeah. the Final Fantasy games had, where it sort of seamlessly transitions from pre-rendered by, background to CGI cutscene that you're controlling, like you're still in it, mo- yeah. moving around. Very cinematic game um, mm. story was i think it was a bit light on story to be honest but the cinematic presentation did the heavy lifting and that's what sort of pushed you forward yeah yeah it was cool really cool it was i mean so the the bit in new york that was like intensely cinematic so yeah Yeah. you're right there was like the bits where it would go into seat and you'd be moving around as there was like police sirens in the background Mm -hmm. and things moving around and things great but then the thing that you that got me was that when they moved the entirety of the game to like a place in the middle of the desert, basically in America, with like a, you went to a gas station, as like a motel, I think, and some houses, and like a, a big water tower, and it was such a weird place to go because it's not, and it was in the middle of the day as well, so it's not really, yeah, really something bright, you'd expect, really bright, and you don't expect a, a survival horror type game to go into that kind of location because the, the the opening was like at night in a building in New York um it was it was almost like a revelation that you could have a horror game that was set in the daytime in just a location you wouldn't even think i mean it goes later on in the in the game you find out there's like a secret base underneath the town because of course there is because it's not survival horror unless there's a lab underneath survival horror games always end in a lab that's that's (laughs) the rule that's the rule it is yeah but yeah it was it was awesome yeah i never played parasite eve um (laughs) 
So what whatsoever. It was two genres I had no interest in at the time, and uh, one of them I still definitely don't now. Um, but I remember seeing it on my PlayStation magazines and being kind of intrigued by it. It was that real mis- mystery to the game. Because um, mm. even then, I knew about the whole fact that the first one never came out in the West. So it had that weird kind of almost like with D2 on the Dreamcast. I remember seeing screenshots in the mag yeah. and just being a bit like, this seems a bit just mysterious. The game I'm never going to play. It just I don't know, something about it, but it, yeah, it was never on my... Never on my radar, really, I'm afraid. Mm. Mysterious is a good way to describe it, though. It's a very mysterious game. Uh, yes, it is a very mysterious game. Um, it's it's very weird, and it doesn't... I mean, it's light on story, but that does have the effect of making you want to keep going to find some story in there. I don't know if it ever surfaces, because I never really play, finished it. Mm. Um, I, did, I did a little bit of research on this, um, and the first game is quite different to this one. Yeah. To a surprising degree, like it's not tank controls, and it looks it looks way more. This one is a lot more sort of realistic environments, whereas that one looks a little bit more abstract in the like in the arenas that you fight guys in. Mm. Really weird, and apparently the first one is way heavier on the story as well. Yeah, because like some people were disappointed um, at the at, at the shift. I mean, it's it's a great game, I think, but you know, I I think the consensus among Parasite Eve fans is that the first one is a bit better, but I was just surprised at how different it was. I mean, one of the reasons for that is that so the original game is based on a novel and a film. Uh, mm. So the, it, it was a novel that got turned into a film, and then the, the game came out after both of those. So the reason it's more story driven is because there's a, hu- ah. there's a huge amount of story behind it. Whereas Parasite Two was kind of just carrying on when there wasn't. I don't think there was anything to carry on from. I don't believe. I'm not sure if there was a sequel mm. to to the to that i'm not sure if there was but anyway yeah so it kind of carried on on its own and uh, you know it, it was it was squaresoft so it's almost like they went hey we, we did this game but what if we just made it more final fantasy ish because that's what everybody loves now right <laughs> um and they just did that with with very light story because they were doing it themselves rather than based yeah. on a, a novel but i mean that part of the mystery about it as well we talk about mystery is like like rich said the fact that the game never the first game never came out here so for people in europe it's like what what's this sequel to a game that we've never played like it's it's number two but we've never played the first one so there's a lot of mystery around that as well maybe that's why the story is light as well because they didn't want to sort of lean on stuff that you wouldn't know if you hadn't played it perhaps yeah but I would like to play. I mean, you know, things like the PlayStation Classic now. If you if you soft mod it, give you the opportunity to play games like that because it plays any region. And of course, games like this are probably extremely difficult to find. And if you can find them, they're probably very expensive, especially yeah. if you're importing. So, um, I'm definitely gonna. I would like to play the first game, but the second game has like a proper special place in my heart because it's it was quite late on as well. I think for the PlayStation yeah, it was, yeah. and. It yeah. was it was just so different from anything else yeah. I'd played, and but that, yet at the same time in two genres that I liked very much. So yeah, I mean I mentioned it earlier, which I don't know perhaps perhaps yeah. perhaps I shouldn't. I was uh, did a bit of a spoiler there, but it did look <laughs> it did look fantastic. It didn't seem to suffer from the same. It's like we said uh, earlier, the PS One games looked very uh, unique, perhaps mm-hmm. not in a good way. It had a lot of it was very impressive at the time but going back it has a lot of issues with its graphics mm. rendering um it, i think the so the main thing that you think of when you think of ps1 games is how they constantly move there's a lot of shimmering that goes on and a lot of texture warping mm-hmm. and i have limited understanding but i think that's i 
I'm to understand that that's due to the lack of a Z buffer, apparently. It just doesn't right. have one. Um, <laughs> but this game didn't seem to suffer from that. I don't know how they did it, but it looks mm. kind of rock solid. That was my memory of it, anyway. Yeah. I think with games like this, it's partially to do with the fact that it has um, pre-rendered backgrounds, so it's it's easier for the 3D aspects of it to be but rendered I mean, better. If you look at Resident Evil 2 and 3, they're mm. wobbly, wobbly games just like the rest True. of them, but this one, I don't know, it, it just looks really nice. Yeah. Almost early PS2, almost. 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 Yeah. But I mean, it's one. If, if I mean, I, I don't know how many people played this game. I don't think it was an incredibly popular game. Hmm. But I feel like it's a game that many more people should play. And although, Rich, you say that it's you know you're not really an RPG fan, but it's not a traditional RPG. And you have now played Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is also RPG but not a traditional RPG. Yeah, very true. So maybe it yeah. falls. I have softened my stance before. somewhat now. I must say. So yeah, maybe I'll give it a go. Yeah definitely worth a shot for sure and um maybe something you should go back and, and finish steve perhaps yeah maybe find a way to yeah, do so yeah. yeah cool all right i mean i mean like we've said multiple times throughout this there are so 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 many games that we could bring up because you know i mean there's the obvious ones like metal gear solid yeah which, you know we've yeah. talked about which which and... which i didn't bring up because i've done enough verbal yeah. diarrhea on that game but and definitely that's... deserves a mention yeah the resident evil games that came out and it's just there's just a a lot of games so I mean, we've talked about them in some of the previous episodes, so do go back and listen to some of those. And um, yeah, also let us know either on the Sega Radio Sega Discord or through our Twitter, which is at Dreamcast Years. Let us know what your favourite PlayStation games was. Uh, I can't, I can't speak. I can't grammar. Let us know what your, <laughs> <laughs> let us know what your favourite PlayStation games were. Um, that's the right way to say it. And. Um, <laughs> be interesting to know because there's so many and i'm sure that lots of people have um you know some more obscure ones that they uh that they like uh that we probably wouldn't have even thought to mention so yeah let us know uh but it truly was it was an amazing console it was a it was a game-changing console uh and is that uh, what we're going I'm... with game changer game changer it's yeah. Not, it's n- yeah it's not game yeah. or shit yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely changer, yeah absolutely good yeah changer. agreed all right cool ps1 was a game changer there we go decided it was that's that's what we're that's what we're deciding uh hopefully everybody else agrees uh but without it we wouldn't have a lot of what we have now in modern gaming i don't think so it was it was for sure influential some uh, some games loaded everything into the ram on the hardware and then you could take the disc out and put in a music disc and listen to music at the same time Ooh. wow that's pretty cool fib yeah. ribbon did that i think is that right yes it did you're right yeah that was a core yeah. component of that game fib yeah, ribbon definitely deserves a mention that is well remembered that, that game was great yeah fear effect i mean not that it did the uh, the cd thing but that's a game that not everybody remembers and yeah deserves that a mention. did the pre-rendered background fmv trick quite a lot as well it did yeah, yeah. talk about that um and, and a quick brief mention before we go rich you mentioned it earlier about playing siphon filter level on a demo disc mm-hmm demo discs as well oh, playstation yeah. did you know fun fun so, memories of those um same same yeah i was great. it's a great thing i had all the magazines back then mm-hmm. i got dem- demo disc every month very exciting very exciting to go through and yeah. just play so many different kinds of games demos yeah. demos are a lost art yeah they really are yeah they really are uh, all right. Well, I think with that, let's uh, draw this episode to a close. Uh, thank you very much, both of you. It's been awesome to reminisce about the PlayStation with you both. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you.
So, uh, all right, well, we'll be back soon, I believe, for our 2007 uh, episode, OG episode. So watch out for that. And uh, until then, until next time, take care and uh, keep dreaming. See you later. Bye. Bye.